Hello, and welcome to Journal Updated, a video games podcast. A podcast about video games. That's what this is. I'm Nora, and with me is my wonderful co-host, Molly. Hi. That's you. That's me. Uh, This podcast is a game club podcast where we're going to play a video game every month. And specifically, we are going to aim for games that uh, offer narrative agency or like decision points. Because talking about like the choices you made in a game or like the way that you played a game is a fun conversation that I like to have. And I wanted to like focus on that and like talk more about choice design and stuff like that. So that's what we're doing. Mm hmm. And so we picked as our first episode uh, the game Outer Worlds. A game we both hate. A game we both kind of don't like a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but we did both write about it, so it, it we made did, an appropriate first pick. We did both play this uh, at launch last year and write things on Medium about it. We could probably link those in the uh, episode notes. Yeah, definitely. Um... So, just to set the stage, um, Outer Worlds is developed by Obsidian Entertainment, which you might know for uh, this little thing called um, Fallout New Vegas. I've never heard of that. Oh. I don't know that game. I definitely have not played it like eight times. I'm glad one of us has played New Vegas. I love New Vegas. Because we did get a lot of New Vegas emails. Yeah. (laughs) For this episode. How do we want to do this, Nora? I didn't realize until now that I probably should have like, written a brief synopsis. What's Outer Worlds about? Outer Worlds is about a lone survivor of a colony ship being resurrected from cryosleep uh, 70 years late to uh, help a mad scientist, Phineas Wells, to save the Halcyon space colony. Or, if you so choose, you could join the board, which is the conglomerate of ten megacorporations who run the colony. Um, You can turn on Wells and be a corporate drone if you want. Um, Yes. I figure we can probably talk about this in chunks, because this game is pretty well segmented. Uh, We could talk about uh, Edgewater and... Monarch and the rest of it, I guess. I guess we could do three sections here because the game is pretty like segmented in the choices that it gives you and the like places where you're able to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game opens. Phineas uh, comes and wakes you up on uh, the hope, and then you get to choose from a variety of uh character selection options basically it's less uh you could tweak it less than you can in like a fallout game in terms Mm -hmm. of like what uh what your main stats are they have preserved the you can be dumb as hell yes (laughs) and on my third playthrough i played as the dumb character um which allowed for some new dialogue options as well as a sequence where i got a game over for piloting a ship into the sun you hate to see that you shouldn't do that you really shouldn't do that it's not good for your complexion no 
But um, you pick from some backgrounds, including like uh, sub sous chef or like retail cashier, uh, unsupervised or things like that. Just right. Very... It makes a it makes a big joke about how you're the smartest people available mm-hmm. to go, you know, to to take care of this place. And that yes, the whole point of the game is Wells wants to wake up some of the other colonists from your ship because they are the brightest minds of humanity and they can help solve the crisis that Halcyon is facing. Uh, the character options you're allowed to pick from as a character from that ship are all just very standard, like, entry-level jobs. Yeah. You and I both just shouted Idiocracy the Video Game at some point. It's Idiocracy the Video Game. That's the thing that nobody talks about, is that you are supposed to be the best and brightest from Earth, and then you get to pick from, uh, I'm a cashier, I'm a backup chef, I'm, you know, X, Y, Z. Not to say that those people can't be very smart, but they're certainly not the scientists and engineers that were promised to be coming from Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have been un- they have not been, like, corrupted by the 70 years of propaganda. Um, yes. Because the, the hope has been lost for 70 years. It, it didn't make it on time. Because it took, um, it took part of its journey at normal speed instead of at light speed. Right. And the whole crew is dead. They couldn't wake anybody up. So that is why Phineas Wells has figured out how to wake up exactly one person. Is and is going to hope that you are willing to take on all of the problems of the entire Halcyon colony. And lucky for him, you don't get dialogue options until after you land. After he puts you in a pod and sh- like uh, shoots you at Terra 2. So even if you didn't want to do this, you can't talk and you can't tell him no. That's so, like a plot point that you can't speak until you get down to the planet. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. But uh, the first planet is Terra 2. Yes. And this is the, the real first section of the video game. This is the part that you probably know about already. Yeah, this is, this is the main choice that everybody spent uh, hours and weeks discussing. <laughs> truly somehow somehow um so the the idea is you get you get crash landed from your escape pod that was sent here um and you're supposed to meet up with a captain hawthorne um he unfortunately well i guess he or she gets crushed uh underneath the escape pod when you land so there's no more captain hawthorne hawthorne's dead rip uh, right. And you have to take over for him. Uh, you find his ship, the Unreliable. Uh, do you get it? That's I, a joke. It's a good it's... joke. Great, great. <laughs> you are on record as having said that this game is very funny and has lots of good jokes. There are good jokes in it. This is not one of them. I didn't see a single joke. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's points where I laughed. Okay. I didn't. I did not write down every dialogue part where I did laugh. Maybe I should have. <laughs> I just think that this game is just too Rick and Morty for me. Well, maybe you're just not smart enough for it. Very, you gotta have Damn. a very high IQ to understand that shit. That is true. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Um. So you, 
uh, find the unreliable. You go into town because you need a new power core for it. Uh, your your current one is busted. Um, and this is where you meet up with Spacer's Choice. They are the people who have founded this colony here. Um, it's called Edgewater. And the people there are all sick and dying because they are not getting enough food, medicine, uh, etc. And are forced to work extremely, extremely long hours uh, and all of that stuff. And also they're running, they ran out of Saltuna to put in their cans. Yeah. Because it's a Saltuna cannery, which is a fish, I guess? Probably. It's probably a fish. <clears throat> um, did you at any point play a character that started with a high enough medicine skill in this area to figure out what the plague is? No. It's the flu. It's the flu? Of it's course. It's the flu. Why wouldn't it just be the flu? So, people are dying of malnutrition and the plague, and uh, it's a bad scene in Edgewater. And on top of that, a group of people have deserted the company town and set up a uh, community in the botanical gardens. And somehow, Adelaide, the leader of this group, has figured out how to make plants grow again and is making food. Your decision point in this quest comes down to uh, you go to a power plant and you can redirect the power uh, that is going to Edgewater and to the Botanical Gardens. You can reroute the power exclusively in one direction so that you can get the, the piece for your starship from the other location. And they, they say extremely, it cannot be undone. Ex- yes. Absolutely the- not. The process causes irreparable damage to the machinery, and it can't be changed again. So you have to just live with whatever choice you make. Yes. So naturally, there are three options. Yes. So option number one, you just route that ship back to Edgewater, where everybody is dying and nothing is going to get better. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, because I, the the thing to explain is that Edgewater, in fact, has the medicine and food to help all of these people. They just, you know, withhold it because the people there aren't working hard enough. If you catch the flu, it's because you haven't worked hard enough. uh, And therefore, your punishment is to have the flu. They do have medicine. Uh, The food is a problem still. Yeah, the food is an issue. Um, It's because it's not nutritious enough. Yes, because it's not Saltuna anymore. Also, you can't just live on fish. You can't just live on fish. Turns out you need more than just fish. Um, and it's not even that it's not even that it's just Saltuna. It's that anything that grows uh, in this like solar system is not nourishing to humans, I guess. That's what it yeah. that's what it comes down to. The ultimate like plot of the game reveals that uh, everything is shitty because uh, I guess the terraforming might have fucked up or something, but basically everyone's running out of food. No one is getting the nourishment that they need. Right. And uh, if you dig deep enough in this area with like talking to Reed and stuff, you'll find that the stuff they are putting into the cans is, I think, um, the lizards from Monarch. Is it? Is it the Raptodons or whatever? I thought it was Sprats also. It might just be a, a, a mix oh, of yeah. everything they can get their hands on. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And if um, you dig deep enough with Adelaide, you will find that her secret to 
making the ground good for growing things is to put dead people in it. Turns out... It turns uh, out that using fertilizer works. Yeah. <laughs> turns out that uh, dead bodies pretty good fertilizer. Um, this is supposed to scandalize you, I guess, because it's treated as a twist. Yeah, it's treated as a twist when that's like a normal thing that people do. That, you know, not not people these days, really. But it, it's not an uncommon idea to have, you know, people buried and be used as compost, sort of. You can definitely get biodegradable coffins and shit that, like, turn you into a tree, basically. Right, exactly. That exists. Um, But it's... 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 It's played as, like, this big twist, this big reveal, this, like, dark secret. Um, and one review I read of this game was talking about how, um, you know, it's not a sustainable thing because eventually you'll run out of dead bodies. Like, no, you won't. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not, that's how, not how populations work. Um, but anyway, um, when you are sent off to make this choice, you are uh, given a your first NPC companion, Parvati. Yes. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite ace lesbian mm-hmm. and when you go to the power plant and you get ready to throw the switch she tells you not to take power away from the town right there's and some she, good people who live there you can't just do that yeah. to them but she's like she's clearly and immediately characterized as this very virtuous and cute and like kind of bumbling nerdy character yes um to, to endear you to her so that she can then give you uh this plea at the at the last second and you'll be like swayed by her because you like care about this character yes the other thing is like when you first get her she asks you to go talk to um like the priest in town because she's not sure that turning off the power to the botanical gardens is the right thing to do. So mm-hmm. she's she's truly not sure either way. Uh, and her her whole thing is to make sh- make you unsure uh, about yes. having any kind of decision or any kind of like moral prerogative towards one or the other. And it does feel like the more sure you are of one direction, the harder it tries to rubber band you back. By like yeah. telling you, oh, but what about this? But what about this? You get there, you throw the lever, you redirect it one of two places. And depending on your choice, you might be able to pick a third outcome for all this. Right. If you redirect power to the botanical gardens, uh, the city is in shambles. And everyone is just kind of sad. Um they don't even, like, get mad at you. Reed's just like, well, you fucked us. Like. Got me. I, I hope you, like, enjoyed this, I guess. But, well, we're all dead now. Yep, he's he just, you know, uh, resigns himself. I guess, guess I'll go report back to the company and get murdered. Can't believe you've done this to me. The reason uh, that everyone is in danger without power is marauders. Oh, right, marauders. <laughs> Yeah, we need to talk about Marauders. Marauders, the 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 bandits. Mm-hmm. The completely uncharacterized, just inhuman Marauders. Bad just humans. People who uh, 
don't live under corporate law and so immediately become Borderlands characters and just run around thirsty for fighting and killing. Yes. But there's no, like, there's literally never any effort made to characterize them or humanize them in any way. They are just, like, a force that exists in this setting that you just have to, like, navigate. The The idea is they're just kind of people who left the, like, corporate life, basically. Uh, and because of that, now they just run around and kill everybody, I guess. Because that's what it means to live without uh, social hierarchies. Yes, is you just become murderer. This is, like, the shittiest fucking portrayal of anarchists. I said yeah. Borderlands, but, like... Full-on wasteland, screaming, running around with weapons type of characters. Uh, they're um, literally called psychos in that game. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, you can you can leave one community or the other to the whims of the monsters and the mar- marauders. Because there's monsters, of course. Um, when the planets got terraformed, some shit went weird, so now there's monsters. If you send the power to Edgewater, the deserters are just left with nothing. And you have the option of trying to convince them to return to town. Uh, You don't have to do this, because as soon as you take the power away, you can get your piece and leave. Right, you could just go. Um... They they want you to go back and try to convince those people that they should uh, join back up with the town because it's the right thing to do, you know? Everybody, we got to work together uh, mm-hmm. to make everything better. And if, if you do succeed in having them go back to the town, Adelaide demands that Reed Thompson, who is like the boss of the, um, of the colony get you know we have to get rid of him because he's the one that's fucking this all up uh, as if to place the blame on this one person but also specifically there's some stuff about i think her son is dead because reed wouldn't give him medicine yes anyway if you do this you can talk to reed and just very easily convince him to just walk into the wilderness and die um yeah <laughs> because that's his corporate duty i guess cuz he he's failed to manage his business well yep he, he failed and now he must walk into the sea and then adelaide's just in charge of the town and no one's seems real happy because of all this because like she doesn't really want to be here she wants to be outside of the town and she's still mad at you for taking that life away yes and then the people in the town are mad at you because these people left them and they don't want them. Like, basically. They wanted everything to say as it was because it's the life they knew. Uh, right. And they're not happy about it otherwise. And But, you know, by taking the third option, you get more dialogue trees, which means you get more XP. Because every time you use a skill, you get XP. Yes. Every time you pick a lock, you get XP. Every time you kill an enemy, you get XP. Every time you find a workbench or a vending machine, you get XP. That's the weirdest one to me, is that you could just, like, <laughs> walk into a room and there's, like, two vending machines there. They're like, here's how 150 experience. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. I'll take it, Thanks I guess. Um, so what did you pick for this one? Uh, originally, the first time I played the game through, uh, well, I guess both times, I just 
put it through to the botanical garden. There's no reason to push it through to uh, <laughs> Edgewater. There's no reason. There's here's the thing uh, about Edgewater, or even just replacing Reed Thompson, is because the entire the entire uh, corporate hierarchy still exists. It's not like they're going to just let this go, right? Like this right. is going to get reported to whoever's above Reed, and then. Uh, they're going to come back in, probably kill Adelaide, and then replace her. And then we're going to go back to normal. There's no... Funny you should say that. <laughs> uh-huh. Because I played this game a second time going through the corporate route, where mm-hmm. you were uh, cooperating with the board. And one of the late game missions is to kill everyone in Edgewater. Yep, there we go. <laughs> Found it. Um, especially Specifically because I... Uh, put Adelaide in charge of the town in that playthrough. I don't know what happens if you do one of the other options. I bet they'd have you do the same thing. I imagine they would. Um, because it's, still, it's, a, a it's still a failed colony. But the point is that <laughs> this is like an interesting precursor to the rest of the conversation, but you need to kill the entire town. And the way you do that is you go back to the power plant and because there's also like some mechanicals, these robots there. Yeah. Who and that's like the place that those are controlled from. And they send more robots to the town um with programming to just kill people. Which is why the robots in that place were enemies for you to fight in the first place. So they just send a whole bunch of them, that, them down there to the town, and then you go in and you turn them on and have them kill everybody. And then you have to go and fight the robots to, like, clear them out. <sighs> the mission is, if we need you to do a, to do genocide on this whole town, and you need to just wipe out this whole town. But they didn't want to actually make you shoot people. No. NPCs. Because they're cowards. And this game is made by cowards. It's made by cowards. And they will not let you feel the consequences of your actions, ever. They will not. They, you don't even see the bodies. Right. You just go in and you fight some robots. Like, right. There is no moral weight to anything no. in this game. And that's that's the thing. Like, No matter what you do, they, they push to make you feel like you did the correct thing, uh, it seems like. Which I guess is kind of like how decisions in games work, right? Yeah, like a lot of these games sell you on the fantasy of being the the character with the agency that like makes the decisions. Yeah. And they there's the other thing. I had two companions with me at that point. Uh Felix, who is the sort of I would say himbo if he were hotter. <laughs> I mean, but he's that is who he is. He is himbo whether he's or not himbo. he's hot. That's true. Um, and he's just, like, a good guy, generally. He's the only, like, real anti-corporate character in the game. Yeah, he's he's the only one who truly wishes to fight them. And I had Parvati, who's from Edgewater. Yes. And both of them objected at every step to me working with the board. Yes. Both of them said that I was a terrible person... And Parvati said, don't make me choose between you and my, like, hometown. Yeah. And so, 
what I did was I killed her hometown and then brought her with me to fight the robots, and she just did it because she's an NPC. <laughs> right, she doesn't... Um, there's no one... None of these characters actually give a shit. They do not leave your party unless you kill the quest NPC for their, like, loyalty mission. Yes. So, for Parvati, if you kill Junlei, the uh, engineer on the Groundbreaker, uh, who is her, like, love interest character... Then she will be upset with you and leave unless you just hit the persuade button and then she stays. Can you persuade her after you kill the love interest? Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Amazing. Beautiful. Incredible game design. Yeah. So, but outside of the, that specific circumstance, the characters will never leave your party. Like, yeah. no matter how heinous you act, these characters will simply... Say, oh, I don't like this, and then in the next scene they'll be like, "Ha, got him!" Got him. Fight enemies with you. Yeah, there's there's no continuity of their character at all, and there's no like gravity to the things that they say, other than here's a here's a quick bark to make you feel bad about the thing you did. And like, I I get it. It's maybe it's difficult to make that happen, but it's sure. Why even make them mad at you in that case? Like Felix. You can have a whole conversation with Felix because he's such such a, like anti-corporate person and he just says, you're a terrible person and I hate you. And you have dialogue options and you can say, what are you going to do about it? And he says, I guess nothing, but I want you to know that I don't like it. <laughs> Thanks, Felix. Good job, buddy. He's trying. He doesn't understand. There's a lot he doesn't understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of the whole problem uh, with this game. And are we going to go over the other like areas in that case? I figured we'd talk about Monarch and then talk about probably like the end game bit. Yeah. Unless there are any other like big decision points you wanted to like bring up, or if you no, those are the those are the ones anecdotes. I've been thinking about. Okay. Do you want to t- uh, talk about Monarch then? So Monarch is a um, it is an area where you meet MSI, who is a group of it's a corporation that has been kicked off the board um, because Monarch is no longer seen as like a, a habitable planet. Like you can't live there; it's too fucked up. Um, and they've basically given up on the whole thing. Um, but MSI stayed behind because they think after everybody leaves, they will have sole ownership of it. Which means that they're going to have a lot of power if they can make it uh, a, a planet where you can live again. And their whole thing is they want to get re-entry into the board. Um, and the leader of that says he wants to fix the board from the inside. That's his That's his whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, which, sure, I guess. Like, I guess you can want to do that, but it's not going to... That's not how things work. <laughs> Yeah, bad news about how bad news about work. fixing it from the inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not how you do it. Um, the other group on this planet is the uh, iconoclasts, who are another kind of kind of socialist. Like they're doing their own thing. They have given up the um, they've given up the corporate life. Basically, they have they used to be a part of MSI and went off to do their own thing. There's kind of some religion religious thing attached to it because of um 
Uh, Graham, who is the leader of this group, uh, he is seeking enlightenment with a capital E. <laughs> that's uh, how you know it's real. That's how you know it's religion. You, um, can, <laughs> you can pronounce it with that capital E. Enlightenment. Uh, and then he has a uh, first-hand Zora is her name. Yeah, Zora. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Graham is all about, I want to do the things right now. I'm not going to think about what my actions do to like the people who are following me because I'm doing what I believe oh. is correct. And you know, most of the time, he's, his heart is in the right place. Um, but unfortunately, having your heart in the right place gets like the people who follow you killed a lot of the time for he's- very little gain. Yes, he's most interested and focused on spreading the message of philosophism, which, yeah, is, which, their, is, which like, is ideology. Religion. Um, he wants to get this printing press going. He wants to send flyers and radio messages everywhere. Yep. Um, he he wants to do that, which is admirable. But uh, unfortunately, he is going about it in a way that is getting the people who actually already follow him killed. Um, Zora, however. Uh, has a much much keener mind for leading, um, and you can help her take over with Graham uh, to help uh, spread the philosophist message uh, in such a way that it preserves the people who are already there. There's also a side note where um, Graham was the one who um, had let in a group of pirates who did a big murder um to the msi and philosophists before they kind of you know broke away Mm -hmm. um when you confront him about this you aren't able to bring up that until like the conversation gets really heated um it starts as just like zora basically telling him that he's a shitty leader yeah and you don't get to talk about like the actual reasons you have for not trusting him until it's already gotten to like shouting Um, yeah and you basically provide proof that he was the one who gave the marauders access to the gates so that they could get in and do a big murder um and then he just decides well if you're going to ask me to stand down i you are going to have to kill me and then you have to kill him you have to kill him there's no there's no, hey, I think Zora is doing this better. Maybe you should listen to her option. You you must simply murder this man uh, for his, like, his decision, his bad decision he did make. It is on him. Uh, but, like, yes. it's not done well. No, like, he did something terrible. And, and there is no way to address that at all. No. Is just kind of souring. Like, there is no actual... There's no, nothing comes of that. All it does is prove to Zora specifically that Graham was responsible for those deaths. But you don't ever tell anyone about it. You don't ever no. seek any kind of justice for that. You just tell Graham, hey, I know the shitty thing you did. And then he's like, well, you're going to have to kill me because this is my movement and I'm in charge. And I'm not going to let you, uh, like, let it make us stray from this path. Um, it's really weird. It's weird. It feels like they just, like, a first draft. Like, they just kind of threw that in to, like... Yes. It's like, be... it make you go, like, oh, maybe these people aren't good. 
Like, they needed a catalyst for you to depose Graham and replace him with Zora, and all they could think of was he made murder happen and couldn't, like, square that away with literally any other part of his character. No. But also, he made the murder happen because, like, he was desperate to get away from, like, corporate life and, like, all that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's misguided, but he didn't know what to do, and, you know, he's he, we've all made bad choices. I've never made a bad choice that resulted in multiple deaths. That's fair. I haven't like, either, but... But, like, this is not a binary, right? Like, yeah. there are other approaches than just, well, I guess we will put the gun to his head now. <laughs> like, he just pulls he must, a gun on you, must and die. you have a little firefight in his room. Yeah, and then nobody says anything about it. Nobody. That's the um, best part. That's the best part. Is no that one cares. Nobody gives a shit. They're just like, oh, Zora's in charge now? Alright, dope. Um, you have the choice to... Go ahead, were you going to say something else about it? No, you go. I was going to say, after that, you have the choice um, to... You can make MSI and the Iconoclasts group up and, you know, make make up, make friends. Or uh, you can just pick one or the other and then slaughter the other half. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You do have to do that last part. You do you do you have to pick one or the other either way? Um, I mean, you have to kill the other side. If you pick a side, you have to kill the other side. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Unless, um, after you've like done what you need to do on Monarch, a ship crashes on the planet, and you can take a component out of it that both factions want. And this is the point where you pick for good which side you're going to ally with. Right. Or you pocket it and leave. Or and you just you, <laughs> And you take it to Phineas. And he's like, wow, cool microchip. Yeah, cool microchip. Uh, yeah, those ships kind of suck. That's why they crashed. And then nothing happens. Great. So, after that, you do some other missions. Uh, you go to Byzantium, which is the big fancy place. It's a different colony. The rich colony. people zone. Yeah, it's the rich people zone, Act 1. Um, it's on Terra 2, and it's just a big, big fancy city. You do some quests there. Um, you talk to and or kill various important people. Uh, the the propagandist for the colonies for the board is there. Um, he's he says he's been on house arrest for a very long time. Which sure, bud, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he's got he's got a lot going on. He's just having a sad time. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the thing there is you. I think that's where you get the chemicals. Right. Yes. So you have to gather specific chemicals to help Phineas wake up the other people who were on the hope that you were on, because he only had enough to wake you up. But if we steal this chemical from um, the board, he can use it to do to wake more people up. Yes, and you. Of course, we need to wake up the smart people. Yes, you um, got to wake up these smart people so he can do more idiocracy. Yes, the the chemicals are needed because like. Uh, they were in cryosleep too long, and 
now they can't safely be thawed without this specific chemical mixture. Um, and the board is using this mixture to test thawing and refreezing people multiple times. Yes. Because uh, they have this plan called the Lifetime Employment Plan. Yeah, where they are going to freeze and unfreeze people over the course of hundreds of years, in theory, to try and solve the food crisis that they are faced with. Yes. So they only have to feed so many people at any given time. Uh, and so that, you know, they can they can just put all the people who don't matter into cryostasis, basically. Right. All the rich people in Byzantium will still live their lives of luxury. Right. Um, I, didn't, I didn't pop in with anything about Monarch with the corporate route because there was no difference. Really? Yeah. Um, Not they're really. just like, I need you to get these broadcasts to stop, and the way you get them to stop is to make nice with those two factions individually, and then they stop making the broadcasts. Um, yeah. I think maybe because I didn't give the ship part to anybody, I didn't have to interfere with that again. Like, I wonder if I would have had to go do a little quest to kill everyone again. Uh, I doubt it. I don't think so. But, um... Yeah, the the real big... Okay, so you can do... You can start on that corporate route pretty early in the game. Um, as soon as you get off of the first planet. But if you haven't, then it is at this point... Soon that you get, like, a call from the board saying, Hey, do you want to betray Phineas for us? Yeah. Um, uh, which the, you can do. Yeah. Uh, the only decision of interest between uh, Monarch and that decision is when you go to get the chemicals, um, you can take only a little bit of it. Or right. you can take all of it and all of the test subjects die in horrible agony. So they say. Well, you can watch the character models go. Oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh I'm in water. Oh. True. Um, which, of course, I think we both just took all the chemical. Uh, I think the. F- I don't know if I took all of it the first time I played through. The second time I played through, I definitely did. I didn't give a shit. Yeah. Um, and then, like at the end of the game. The board has kidnapped Phineas. Yep. And taken him to the prison moon, Tartarus. Yep. And you go through this area, and at the end, you talk to the adjutant, who is the, like, board representative that you're dealing with a lot of the time here. And you just click persuade intimidate persuade etc until you can just walk into the room where phineas is and then yeah and then you win yeah. and then you win the game. the game the game is over uh, or if you don't have any uh speech skills which i don't know why you wouldn't because this game is like basically runs on speech checks like yes. there's combat but it's not that involved um we'll talk about like technical aspects at some point i'm sure we'll talk about like gunplay and stuff but right um if you don't have any speech skills you do have to do a final boss which is just a big robot with a shield like a riot shield and a minigun 
that you have to coax into charging at you so that it will hit the walls and expose a little nugget on the back that you can smack with your hammer or whatever weapon. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Uh Uh-huh. It's boring, and then you walk into the room where Phineas is being held, and you have to just fight the adjutant, who has seven hit points. (laughs) God. Um, So, literally any weapon will just kill her. And then you win. Then you win the game. Now, if you are if you had a faction from monarch that you helped they will attack the prison as you are going in to help you um but if you're doing a sneaking run where you're just gonna sneak past everyone uh they still show up and they still pick fights and you just like walk through while they're fighting while they're fighting Um, yeah that's nice yeah they're just throwing their lives away for nothing no biggie (laughs) um and if you um, are playing the corporate route, the level is exactly the same and all the enemies are the same, except instead of corporate soldiers guarding the prison, you have to fight through prisoners who have rioted because Phineas uh, it has, is still arrested but makes a prison riot happen and takes over the prison if Question you are mark. the evil route. Question mark. <laughs> And then, uh, if you have the talking skills, you just, uh, talk him down, and then he shoots himself for you, so you don't even have a boss fight. Great. Thanks, Phineas. You asshole. Yeah. Um, and it is only in this evil route. I say evil because it's corporate, but, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um... It is only in this route that, like, Phineas goes, like, mask off with what his character is and what his, like, flaws are. Where right. he's like, I brought you back to life. You do what I say. That's how this works. Like, he just goes completely open with the fact that he's using you as a tool and always has. Right. Um, which was also true when you were friends with him. But, but he like, just doesn't say it to you. Right. Like, there is no opportunity to engage with that power dynamic at all, or, like, that that character interaction at all. You don't actually have to reckon with it. You don't ever have to, like, confront Phineas about what he's done. Right. Really. If you push him, you will get him to admit that, like, yes, I've tried to revive other colonists and it didn't work and they died. But, like... Beyond that, like, there is no real addressing the fact that you were woken up and, like, thrust into all of this without any action on your part. Right. Uh, It is just given to you that you are going to be this agent in the world. Because it's a video game. Because, you know, like, you're the hero and you're here to save the day. Right, you're supposed to do the air quotes right thing. Right. Like, there is no reason given for that. There's no, like, they don't talk about your character's agency in the world in that way. Right. Um, But then we get the ending slideshow. The where are they now? Yes, which is much shorter if you kill everybody in the game, by the way. Yeah, if you just murder a bunch of people, there's no no where are they now because they're all dead. 
Um, I guess what I should have done is played the game in the hardest difficulty mode so that companion deaths are permanent, and then I could have fixed the robot and then let the and robot die. And then murdered the robot? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the only way to get rid of the robot, because I don't think you can dismiss it. Probably I was true. playing a, a no companions run, but... Yeah. A real no companions run. <laughs> I mean it for real. For reals. I, my third playthrough, I just killed every character who was important enough to have a slide in the ending. Yeah, just to see. Yeah, and some of them still get mentioned, like Junlei. Who is in charge of like a space station that is independent and not a part of the board. It's like the only thing in the system that is. Yes, but they still have like all the stores are run by... The corporations, corporations. which, yeah, so I guess they, yeah, they don't really reckon with that at all, which I guess I understand. This is, look, the scale of this game is much smaller than other games in this space. It is like this weird middle ground between Fallout and Bioshock, where it's like, it's like a Fallout style thing, but in the scale of a Bioshock campaign. Right. Um, and it, like that is a smaller thing, and it has smaller areas and less quests, and like it's a smaller game. So like, there's a point at which I'm like, well, okay, asking too much, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but tell me how uh, the endings go for Edgewater. Uh, for Edgewater, if you um, side with, I actually don't know what happens if you side with Edgewater. Um, if you side with the Botanical Garden folks, um, what happens is you get a title card, or the ending card says that you're not sure um, how much Adelaide's research actually helped anyone, um, and that over the course of the next few years, they would turn everybody else from the town away, um, which, you know, Adelaide warned you about this before. She said she was not going to accept corporate loyalists into her colony. Uh, into her her town which makes sense um but it also throws in just as a dagger that she actually died the next winter so she didn't even get to see if her stuff helped anybody Mm -hmm. um just for no reason but to be cruel basically yeah um so if you if you help the socialists you learn that it doesn't help anyone yeah um it just turns it just tries to characterize her as this super bitter person who's like, no, we're safe here. Fuck you for not joining me sooner. When the first thing she says to you when you go to talk to her before she even knows why you're there is, are you hungry? Are you hurt? We have food. We have some medicine over there. Like, help yourself to what we have. We, we can, we'll help whatever you need. Like, the first thing she does before even saying hello is, what do you need? Oh, we, yes. we got you. Yes. Like, they try to have it both ways. Yes. Exactly. Because once you've made a decision, there's no point in making the character, like, likable or understandable at all. Because it's, like, the moment of choice that matters. Yes. Uh, I don't know what happens on the other route because I killed everybody. So it was just, um, it just had, like, a brief description of, like, Ah, everything kind of crumbled away and was abandoned because there was nobody living here because all of them were killed. (laughs) I mean, good, I guess. I guess so. Like, it's... Here's a weird thing, right? Like, what does it mean to let nature 
reclaim a space when human beings created the nature by terraforming in the first place. Yeah. Like, that's never really addressed. No, like, not at all. There has basically no thoughts about its own setting. Um, like, all the monsters that are roaming everywhere, like, those aren't... They weren't there before, right? Yeah. Like, the... The, the Raptodons are the way they are because the terraforming on Monarch got fucked up really bad. And it made monsters. And, right. like, it never goes into, like, what does it mean to colonize a space when you created the space in the first place? Yeah. Like, it doesn't reckon with that idea at all. It doesn't recognize the, like... Oh, you terraformed this rock into a place where life exists, and then you live there now. It has nothing to say about any of that. And then there's Monarch. Yes. So on Monarch, um, you you know you can choose which side you go with. Both times I ended up going with the Iconoclast. It turns out that I can't play this game and just completely go the other way, um, because I just feel bad about it and I can't bring myself mm-hmm. to do that to people basically yeah um so i went with the iconoclast both times the first time it did not give me the i got i think i had a bug or something i was not given the option to side with zora and if you don't side with zora if graham is the leader the card for the iconoclast talks about how like oh it was a, the movement died out because it couldn't sustain itself because it just wasn't focused on any material like work um, it was all hinging on Graham's sermons, and no one outside of Monarch ever heard about the Iconoclast, and the movement died without leaving the planet. Which is weird, because, like, Zora's still there. Are you saying mm-hmm. that, like, he never listened to her about anything? Which I guess is possible, but uh, it just sucks. Look, things don't happen unless you do them. Yeah, that's true. Um, but if you go with Zora... Um, it, it does give you a ending card where, like, what you did meant something. Those people got the message off planet. Uh, all that. Is that what it says if you didn't make them cooperate with the MSI? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So there is one happy ending. Um, If you killed both factions, as I did in my third playthrough, um, then... There, it says there's nothing left but the beasts. Yeah. I don't know... And if ahead. you kill both factions on Edgewater, then... Um, there's like a side quest early on where you can go find a missing deserter who went off to join the Marauders. And she's just... Beca- like, she's just sitting there and all these marauders are around her and you get close and they all attack you and once you kill them all she's like well that was fun i want to go home now i guess <laughs> um because she was like this leader she immediately became their queen she immediately became their queen um i guess the marauders were just all thirsty very and, extremely so <laughs> and the ending if you kill reed thompson and adelaide is that um, both factions were eventually wiped out by a group of marauders led by Zoe Chandler, who was the like character that you from that side quest. That Shout was out to a... Zoe. <laughs> Shout out to Zoe, honestly. Queen. 
Queen of the Queen of the Marauders. Um, none of the companion like end cards are really worth talking about, honestly. Like their loyalty missions usually add up to about no work, and they don't feel like they matter at all. There is one with Parvati where she gets a girlfriend, and that's nice. And some of those cards, uh, Felix's doesn't change after you, wh- whether you do his yeah. loyalty mission or not. The work of the revolution, it's done with your own two hands. Yeah. Felix would go on to learn that the work of revolution would be done with, has to be done with your own two hands. What the fuck does that mean? That doesn't even mean anything. People did that in this game and were like villainized for it. Yes. Constantly. That's like every every single like non-corporate faction is like, hey, we went out and did this thing and we're living on our own now. And then you are given the um, given the card that says, well, you fucked up, idiot. <laughs> Stupid. Um, like, even when you decide that, oh, we will replace Reed with Adelaide, like, you're not talking to the workers about that. No. You're just facilitating a negotiation between the two leaders. Right, and there's no... You never get to interact with anybody who is, like, at the bottom of the ladder here. Right. You can just... Literally, the first thing you do is you go into town, you go into the elevator, you go to the mayor's office and talk to Reed personally. Yeah. Like, you just you just walk straight in and say, hey, it's me. It's I'm It's here. your boy. I'm very strong. <sighs> Let me do a thing for you. <laughs> yeah so like there is no opportunity to do any sort of organizing or or action in that in that way you can't work with the working class right um that's is there anything else specific you want to talk about uh, in, in regards to like these title cards or anything, I feel like those are the main points. There's a lot if you side with Phineas about like he rezzed everybody and now they're working on it. He revived over half of the missing colonists. Wow, we did it. And they don't fixed ask everything. about the other half. And if you don't side with Phineas, then the um, lifetime employment program goes off without a hitch. Really, like outer. Outer communities crumble, but, you know, in Byzantium, they're still partying. Do they suggest that it works? Uh, at a cost, like, at the cost of, like, most of the colonies outside of Byzantium crumbling, but, yeah, it works. That's kind of wild. And then, like, there's the final revelation at the end of, oh, Earth has gone dark. Yes. Uh... So we're on our own. No one else is coming out here to, like, save us or stop us. We have to, like, live on our own with our own... We have to, like, manifest our own destiny out here on the frontier, Mm. you know? Like, there's no one back home. This is us now. It's just us. Um, Which means nothing and contributes nothing to the story. Right. Like... All it means is like, oh, there won't be consequences for this. Basically, zero consequences. There's nobody else. Yeah, it's it's strange. I don't I don't quite understand all of it. 
Game fun oh. to play, I will say. Is it? The shooting and the and the running around and like the, the I do enjoy the serotonin of getting XP for finding vending machines. <laughs> for finding vending machines. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean I there's very little equipment to find in this game. There's That's there's true. like three types of gun. Mm-hmm. Um But they're all there's also like different brands. There are barely different brands for the guns, though. That's <laughs> that's like, the thing. There's like two different models for each type yes, of gun, and that's it. And they just have different names and better stats. Like there's nothing like unique about the. There are and the only unique weapons in the game they're called science weapons, and none of them are good. Like you have to specifically like make a build where you use them, and even then, it's not worth it. Yeah, and it just it also like plays into the part of this game that is totally frustrating for me, um, which is why I called it a, a Rick and Morty-esque video game. Um, the sort of, like, mad science, or, like, science in all caps with an exclamation point as, like, a statement, you know? Yeah. Um, it's just hokey in a way that doesn't work for me. I know that, like, camp hits different for different people, but, like, it's not it's not for me. No. I'm not. I'm not here for this particular like ray gun aesthetic. You know, not really. I I do like running around shooting, getting the dialogue options to work. Like, it is a simple game. I, I whether it's easy or difficult, uh, it varies. But like it is regardless, it is a simple thing with that it doesn't ask much of me, and that is like that's true. Like stimulates that part of my brain where I like get to accomplish things easily yeah that's that's fair it's not a difficult game to play um i guess a lot of my problem with it is how everybody hails this as some kind of large anti-capitalist like Mm -hmm. video game because it's not when it comes down to it it says hey isn't it fucked up that this happens uh and then it says too bad we gotta live with it though Maybe we should hire smarter guards. If we just had smarter guards. If the scientists were just smarter. Maybe if the president were a scientist Hmm. instead of a businessman. Maybe that would fix it. Everyone, it's just... You can't say this game is anti-capitalist when it makes no effort to, like overthrow capitalism at all and like when you side with the people who want to be rid of like the corporate uh folks like you're you're punished basically Mm -hmm. and like there are limits right we can't ask for a million different outcomes to every quest we can't ask for like endless content and we can't ask a big budget production in especially one that is a video game to be to have any teeth when it comes to, like, capitalist criticism. Absolutely. Like, this came up recently on another podcast I'm on, Cower Hour, when we talked about Alien. We talked about how, like, there are hard limits on how actually bitter works with such huge budgets can actually be about capitalism materially because sure. they are fundamentally like reliant on capitalism yeah they're they're absolutely products of capitalism yes um 
Also, gamers don't want that. No, gamers will not listen. Uh, I'm interested to see some other games that have been mentioned recently, like Disco Elysium is talked about in the same breath as this game, or at least was last year. Uh, and I'm interested to see if that, like, we're, we're going to do that for this podcast eventually. At some point. Yes. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully 2020. <laughs> um, yes. But, uh, yeah, just the reason this podcast exists is half me hearing people talk about Witcher 3 choices on a podcast and thinking, wow, that seems seems like a really easy choice. I don't know why this is so complicated. <laughs> why are we so and, mad about um, this? Yeah. Uh, and half uh, Molly and I just listening to uh, people in video games writing uh, going on about how uh, difficult the choice was at Edgewater. And like, I never expected... Outer Worlds to turn me into, like, a uh, um, uh, slow change. Incrementalist. Right. Um, but it did, and I like, I couldn't argue with it. And it's like, yeah, you, yeah, you can. She's just wrong. Yeah, Her it's wrong. just wrong. She's wrong. That's a... You, what you do, you have to do the right thing. And you just... It's just so frustrating that everybody's like, wow, I didn't think about it like this before. And it's like, you didn't because it's not right. Like, you, you didn't think about that because it's not the right thing to do. And the argument put forth in some of these perspectives was, like, um, that it is refreshing not to be, like, not to act like the person who comes in and knows what's good for everyone else, despite being there for five minutes. But that's, like, not really the case for this character that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Because you are just being used by people, like... At no point do you get the option, like, you can say, oh, why don't I just leave? Why don't, how come I can't just leave and, like, tell you to fuck off and do my own thing? And Phineas is like, well, you could, but where would you go? You're stuck right. here. You're you stuck can't make me. it to another system. So I guess you gotta deal with it. You gotta live in Halcyon no matter what. Like, the entire thing is just you being manipulated into doing these things for these people. And, like, at yeah. some point, that's video games, but it still doesn't make me feel good about it. But yeah, that is video games, but, like, it's hard to talk about choice and, like, decision-making without bringing up the fact that, like, you, you didn't sign up for this. Right. Like, your character did not intend to be put in this position. No. Which most of them aren't. Most, like, you know, you play Dragon Age Inquisition, your character probably didn't choose to become a chosen one, right? But, yep. but they still bad. have to. You still choose to like be a part of the things that are happening. Yes. Whereas in Outer Worlds, you literally can't speak when <laughs> when the option is available. Yeah. And it is uh, just assumed that you will go along with this. Yeah. Also, as a side note, I hate Phineas and the character archetype that he is derived from. Uh, the sort of like wacky scientist guy is just so ugh, I just it's so frustrating and it's a real piece of shit yeah yeah and that's never it's never gone over even without him being like a manipulative asshole it's just obnoxious to have the like ah yes here's a here's a joke about how eccentric I am because I'm so smart like you said fucking Rick and Morty looking ass he literally looks like the guy from Rick and Morty. I don't know which of them is the same. I don't know which one's which. Don't know. 
Don't know. It's like Tegan and Sarah. Is Tegan just always on the left? <laughs> Who could say? I stole that joke, I'm pretty sure, but... Okay. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I didn't. <laughs> anyway, I did play this game three times, though, is yep. the thing. I mean, I, I played it two and a half times. It's because I asked you to play it a second time for the podcast. Yes, that is true. I played it twice of my own volition for the podcast. Yep. Fool. Fool that you are. I guess I can just never touch it again now. And you never well, have well, to. There's DLC coming, though. There's story DLC coming. Oh, no. I forgot. So... Until right now. We talked about this yesterday, and I already forgot. <laughs> yeah, so... It just, like, makes it pretty obvious that, like, the paradigm of uh, people playing games in the span of, like, a week or two and immediately writing their thoughts about it and never touching it again is, like, bad for criticism. Yes. Like, obviously, do I expect Patrick Klepek to play this game three times over the span of, like, several months before talking about it on Waypoint? No. No. That's simply not like feasible not doable but i think that it is a like detriment to the criticism of the medium when people are just one playing it under a time crunch that's never good right yeah um but also like just playing it dropping it and never touching it or thinking about it again and like only sitting with your first instinct or your first your first Mm -hmm. takeaway like I'm not saying you have to, like, revisit every piece of art that you want to criticize, but it does help. <laughs> yeah, it does help if you sit on it for a minute. Yeah. Um, so, I think that's all we have for our, like, Outer Worlds chat, generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get some emails. Love an email. So, love an email. Uh, if you want to send emails to the podcast, you can do so by addressing them to journalupdated at gmail.com. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, oh, I don't have a favorite. I would need to look at them again. All right. Well, I'm just going to start with the first one on this list that I sent you in screenshots, which is from M. Uh, M writes, do you think it's possible to make this style of game and not make a centrist simulator? The form of a big-to-medium-budget open-world shooter might doom it to cowardice from the jump. I love New Vegas, but also it has deep centrist problems. I don't know if I have a question past, don't you agree video games are bad? But I'm excited to listen to the podcast. Uh, you're, you're right, video games are bad. Like I think we can establish yeah. a baseline at, at the beginning of this podcast that video games are bad. They're bad. They're not great. We love them, but they're bad. I enjoy bad. them. Yeah, but they're bad. Yes. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to make... A video game that's not a centrist simulator. I think that's what you have to go with from the jump. Uh, and you have to be not scared to make it. Right. Like You can't start from the place of, I want to make a game where you make decisions. Uh, you have to make it from the the starting point of like an ideology. Yes. I, I mean, I can't imagine a game like this that leans in and was like, ah, yes, the two routes of this game are actual fascist and like leftist like that's not gonna happen either right no it's not going to actually no one's going to make a big budget game that rewards you for being a fascist explicitly right in in the way that we're talking about here i think Um, there are plenty of games that reward you for being a fascist implicitly yes 
I think the thing is, like, the more people you have on a team, the harder it is to make a game that is, like, explicitly, like, a leftist or not centrist simulator. Right. Especially when, like, there's a lot of money involved. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know shit about how games are made in, like, big studio spaces at all. But, like, I imagine the people with the money don't want... Uh, controversial or polarizing things in the games because they want more people to buy them. Uh, the bigger the budget, the more doomed it is to cowardice. Yes. Which is why but punk is the only true by art. By design. Why what is? Why punk is the only true art? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to take the next one? Okay. Uh, from Christopher says, hey, of course the story is rotten to the core, and the writing is harsher to leftists than fascists, but I live in a society I'm used to seeing every big work of fiction lean this way, which is why I want to talk about how broken the stealth is. Once the stealth got to 70, I was able to just waltz through the rest of the game. Specifically, the Borst factory on Monarch broke me entirely. I disguised and crouched and walked from the front door all the way to the head honcho and was never bothered even once. After that, I just barreled through the end of the game, having shed all hooks uh, Audi Worlds had in me. Guess my question is, why do I keep playing mediocre stealth builds in open world games instead of finally playing Splinter Cell? Well, Splinter Cell is definitely going to be more fashy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> first of all <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair um, um i mean if you want to play a stealth game funny how most stealth games involve you playing as like cool soldier guys yeah um i haven't played mark of the ninja in a long time but that one's still i was cool. literally just thinking about mark of the ninja yeah. because <laughs> it's like I, this is like the only one the only good stealth game that you're not a cop in tom clancy's Oh, wait, Splinter Cell is literally Tom Clancy, isn't it? Yes, it is literally Tom Clancy. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Tom Clancy's Metal Gear Solid. Uh, in these open world games, I also tend to, like, in a in a Skyrim or an Oblivion, or even, like, the Fallout games, I usually go with, like, a sneak and then either a bow and arrow or, like, a long-range weapon. That's usually mm-hmm. my default. It I I like that way of playing. Uh, I, also, I also do enjoy stealth games, so... Yeah, playing uh, with, at at a range with stealth in those games is a great way to keep uh, gameplay at arm's length. <laughs> and also, because I've never thought melee combat in this type of game was particularly good. Yeah, first-person melee combat is, uh, if you'll pardon the pun, very hit or miss. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't... Uh... I mean, the the real answer to your question here is because you like making the character and having that agency in a way right. that a Splinter Cell's not going to feels let better you, that probably way. Uh, is is what I would say, um, which is why I like playing these these games too. This type of game. Um, we got one from Tron with a couple questions. Um, some of these are just like hooks for us to complain about things. Okay. Uh, so we didn't really talk about the consumables. True, the ones I never used. Yeah, the ones that are scattered everywhere in the world for you to pick and up, and then fucking useless. You, fucking useless. Like, uh, if you get your medicine skill high enough, you can mix them together and get different effects and like st- stack effects. But like, it's extremely a system you don't need to engage with, and mm-hmm. so I didn't. Why would I put forty points into science when I can put two hundred points into one-handed melee and two-handed melee? I simply will swing the bat harder. I will. I will hit harder now. Um, do you? Uh, here's an 
Here's a, a question. Um, what are your thoughts on having dialogue options locked behind skill checks? I don't know. It, it's fine. It's not my favorite mechanic in anything, uh, but I don't, like, hate it. I guess if you... Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you are upgrading your, like, talking stats, you're probably not very good at fighting or whatever, so I, it makes sense. Um, but at the same time... Um, like, for the first 50 points, when you upgrade a category, you upgrade all the points, all the skills in that category mm-hmm. at the same time. So if you're good at talking, you're good at all forms of talking. Um, right. Having those options not locked behind skill checks would be interesting in a game that had more focus on that, which I guess... Uh, no, Discolism has skill checks. But yes, the entire game is skill checks as far as I know. But that's actual dice, like right? Like, um, oh yeah, Outer yeah, Worlds, yeah. Outer Worlds is not dice. It's just is your stat high enough to clear this threshold? It's it's a binary. It's not. It's not even like um, I I don't know. If, I think Kotor did have actual checks and like randomization. Um, it has. It does have dice rolls. So, you know, dice rolls would be more interesting to me because it would still give you a chance at getting through some of these dialogue options, even if you don't have a great skill. Um, Mm-hmm. I would be very interested for a game where the dialogue options are this powerful or give you this much agency where they aren't uh, related to stats at all and having it just be like, oh, you just picked the right options and yeah. literally just convinced the person to do the thing. I think if having... you're going to do that, there have to be harder consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it has to be what the game is about. Yes. Um, and that would be a very interesting game, and I'm sure that exists. I I bet, like, you know, something like an interactive fiction game, that's the whole deal, because it's just, it's a text-based yes. game. Um, so that's a, a, an avenue that I want to explore later. Um because that's an interesting uh, mechanical thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. The areas in this game do look pretty cool. Uh, and Tron asks, what's your favorite looking area? The skyboxes in this game are, like, pretty good. Very pretty game. Very pretty game. I will give it that. Pretty game. Um, I don't know my favorite, my favorite area. Probably Terra 2. It's got all the best areas and, like, it, I think it's the prettiest one for sure. I do kind of like the asteroid. Do you? I thought it was really boring. Yeah, but it's really boring, but it's still kind of <laughs> cool. It has like a force field wall that puts oxygen in the in, on the asteroid. It's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, is this your is this your inner Star Wars talking? Shut up. <laughs> it is the most Star Wars option here, so yes, mm-hmm. I guess so. Uh, our last email is from Luke. Do you want to take this one or should I? Yeah, sure. Um, Luke says, Hi, I was really excited about The Outer Worlds and the lead up to its release, but once I heard some things about the way it frames its politics, I, it ended up discouraging me from bothering with it. The only game I've really enjoyed in the style is New Vegas, and my question is, New Vegas has been praised for nearly a decade now, but do you think that its politics are just as flawed and frustrating as The Outer Worlds? Were a lot of us just less politically attuned when it came out, or do you think there's an actual degradation in quality between the two games? Uh, so three of our four emails mention or allude to New Vegas. Um, I yeah. I have played an, about an hour of New Vegas. 
I love New Vegas. <laughs> I installed it after playing Outer Worlds last fall, mm-hmm. uh, and then was like, "Oof, character moved too slow. Can't play this game." <laughs> I'm not going to walk across a fucking desert. Um, it's good, though. Um, look, yeah, it's on I our mean, list. We're going to do it for the podcast the someday. Thank God. Um, yeah, I mean, it probably is just as frustrating. Um, I just played it first when I was like 16 and thought it was super cool or whatever. When did yeah. when did Fallout New Vegas release? This is going to be way worse. It's going to be like 20 or something. Yeah, that is exactly right. <laughs> I was 20 years old. Um <laughs> Yeah, that game came out in 2010, uh, and I really liked it. I do still really like it, um, Mm -mm. but it probably absolutely falls back into those same pits that... And, like, I had less of a problem with that, you know, when I played it Mm -hmm. uh, originally. And on subsequent playthroughs, I have not paid that much attention to, like, dialogue choices and all that, so... uh, It was... It's mostly because I enjoy playing that game and scrounging and walking around in an area that I am vaguely familiar with living uh, from California. Like, those are real places in California and Nevada that I am familiar with and have driven around in. I had something like this with Mass Effect 2. Yeah. Uh, I never played the first one, but um, I played Mass Effect 2 and it was, like, sort of new, Um, which was around the same time that New Vegas came out. I think Mass Effect 2 must have been 2010, 2011. That sounds right. Um... Definitely just played it as a third-person shooter and didn't mess with any of the RPG elements at all. Yeah. Um, Pretty good first-person shooter. I uh, Our third-person shooter. Yeah, I, I was I was trying to think of a good dunk on that because you said the wrong word, but couldn't think wow, of anything. Wow, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and, like, in hindsight, I'm like, I spent a decade slowly realizing that the choices and like politics were like pretty suspect yeah um, like you spend most of that game collaborating with the like white supremacist faction yep or the equivalent in a space setting you know yeah um, there was a while we're playing the game where i was like this guy kind of sucks but they also never bring up the human supremacy thing again like at all so I guess it's just kind of a background thing. And then it's like weird that the final choice of Mass Effect 2 is the way it is, but we'll talk about that some other day. Yeah, we'll we'll get there eventually. Uh, that's the end of questions. Emails, rather. Yeah. Send us emails. Send us emails. Journalupdated at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. The dog is barking in the other dog room. dog is barking. You know what that means? That we're done? Yeah, we're, it's time to do it, the sign-off. All right. Uh, I'm uh, going to ask uh-huh. you the question that everyone loves to hear on podcasts. Uh-huh. Molly, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at your friend Molly with a Y-E-R. You can find me at audioentropy.com. You can find me at ineedmayo.com. Uh, do I have a Medium link? That's a real That's a real question that would probably be appropriate for this podcast. How do I find your that? Your piece uh, is going to be in the show notes for sure. Yeah. But if you want to just go there anyway, it's medium.com slash at Molly Jade. Nice. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. You can find everything that I do at norablake.online that has links to uh, poetry, fiction, criticism, RPG design, uh, all the things that I do. Podcasts also. Um, 
You can support me and the things that I do at patreon.com slash Nora Blake. Um, I am on a podcast network called the Export Audio Podcast Network that also has a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash export audio. Um, everything is on the website or on my Twitter. You'll find it. My medium is uh, is at Nora F. Blake. It's whatever the URL was for Molly's, but say uh-huh, Nora but F. Nora Blake F. instead. Blake of, instead. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, I'm trying to do something on there every month. Uh, I haven't done a March one yet as of this recording, but hopefully when you're hearing this on the last day of March, fingers crossed. <laughs> there will um, be something. There will be something on there. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so that's uh, that's the podcast. We should maybe come up with a like a quippy sign-off or something. Hmm. We could just say updated my journal. <laughs> updated, we updated our journal. Updated our journal. <laughs> um, we'll we'll think of something next time. Jur- journal updated. Journal, consider this journal updated. <laughs> um, updated my journal. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Journal Updated. Our next episode will cover Soma, and the episode after that will cover the first Mass Effect game.